This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. All right, so this week I've got a bit of a roundtable here. We've got I've got three other guests on here with me. I got Aaron Fennell from 21st Century Equipment. I got Kyle McMahon from Tractor Zoom and Matt Sullivan from Sullivan Auctioneers on here, and we are going to kind of go back through what happened, uh, when was that, Tuesday the 30th, uh, up there at Sinclair Tractor when they had their uh, their big auction up there, and Sullivan's were the auctioneering, auctioneering company that decided to uh, to run that thing, and uh, quite frankly, it was it was one of the biggest biggest events, I think, of the year, and, and uh, there's a lot uh, riding on this, this auction as far as what happened with the overall uh, market, so... Uh, I would like to say that a, a lot of good things happened there so because of that. So let's just run around the tape real quick and just everybody kind of introduce yourself. So Aaron, why don't you start? Uh, okay. I'm not used to introducing myself. Uh, Aaron Fintel, I am the wholesale specialist, use equipment specialist for 21st century equipment. Um, I do all the wholesale business for our dealer group and do work with wholesalers all over the country, dealer-to-dealer trading on used equipment, and I also do um, end-user sales out of our territory. Um, Everything I do is phone and internet, so it's pretty fast-paced and anywhere but here type of deal. All right, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle McMahon. I'm I'm the founder of Tractors and Iron Comps. Uh, Tractor Zoom is a search engine of over 420 auction companies that advertise their sales. And then we track the market using our Iron Comps product uh, and software that, that tracks the health of the auction market and allows people transparent price information. Uh, what's going on in the machinery world? And Matt, go ahead, buddy. Yes, yeah, Matt Sullivan, um, one of the co owners of Sullivan Auctioneers. Um, auction company, been in business about uh, 40 years, family owned. and Correct. We have the auction for Sinclair Tractor here this week. Okay, so whenever I see an auction like this come around, there is, I kind of get a little bit of a pit in my stomach about what's going to happen to the market after it gets done, right? And with the current situation that we saw happen with with COVID-19 and commodity prices and everything else, my my in my opinion, and and everybody else kind of chime in here after I give my, my two cents here, but my opinion was, Tuesday would have been a win if everything would have just stayed the same, right? If the 2012s and 2014 model combines brought what we, what we had been seeing them bring at other auctions and really hadn't had that much inventory out there on the, the 2017, 2018, the, the later model lower hour stuff, didn't have a lot of stuff out there. So kind of the way I was looking at it is if we could be in that, that 250 range, I felt like that was going to be a win. And not only did we maintain all that, it actually went higher than than my what I was even going to guess that it went. So, um, 
I kind of said beforehand that, that we were going to see, I wasn't really worried about it falling off or anything like that. I was more worried about um, the consistency of the numbers, and I think we saw that. So, Aaron, what was your opinion of that sale, and, and kind of what did you see out there happening? Uh, well, first let me say, I thought it would be a win if all the combines actually sold and didn't go to scrappers. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> That was, it was a pretty good win as far as that goes. Because <laughs> they combine away a lot, but they don't win that much. Um, yeah, when, when you see that many combines and that many of virtually the same combine on a sale, you just absolutely get a shiver, you know. And it's more of a, this guy's not falling today, but it's going to be on this exact day right. type of thing. In the, in the used equipment world in general, especially the combine. Um, I didn't follow it real close during the auction. I jumped on a few times throughout the day and looked at where stuff was at, and I was shocked. The first time, I think the second time after quite a bit had sold, I jumped on there, and I had to refresh my screen about three times. So I thought, uh-uh, there's no way. And then I got down to, you know, like some 12s and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, they did it again. Good job, boy. <laughs> yep. Kyle, from what? Don't tell Dan that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that was all you. It wasn't him. Just so you know. <laughs> all right. So, Kyle, as you take a look of, of the data that you've collected and what you've seen happen so far i mean how does this how does this sell stack up to a trend you've seen in the last couple of years yeah so casey you and i did the podcast there last saturday uh of course this is friday july 3rd but we did the podcast before the sale and you and i both recognized that maybe it was you matt that recommended to sinclair to bring product to market that the market hasn't seen in a long time and a lot of that was low hour combines. Like going back and looking at data from the last year, even, even last year, uh, this time and into August, we saw a dip in, in combine prices, but a lot of that was higher hour stuff. In the last year, there hasn't been this low hour machine, uh, these low hour machines brought to market. And I, I knew they would be higher than average just from that simple fact and the supply and demand hasn't been there. Uh, so that's the biggest thing that we noticed. And, you know, once you got into that higher hour se separator mark, like 100 or 1,200 separator hours, that's when you saw some more depreciation. But, I mean, the prices look very strong from a low hour standpoint. That's that's the biggest takeaway that we saw from the overall auction. Yeah. Well, Matt did... Uh did Sinclair give you a big bonus after after you got this all done, like double pay or something like that to, for what you guys accomplished out there? <laughs> well, you see, Casey, we work on commission, <laughs> so <laughs> they they the, the bonus that we got from Sinclair's was a thank you, and that they were they were thrilled, and you know more than exceeded their expectations. And in an auctioneer's world, that is that's worth a lot. Yep. And you know, I mean, the, the calls and the texts and the messages we got from from buyers and sellers, the buyers, you know, right. It, it was a it was a really strong sale. But still, if you're in the market for a combine, you know, there were still some nice buys. Right. Oh, yeah. So 
Um, right. So there was, I think it was a win for everybody. And I'm not just trying to say that, um, you know, right. We as an auction company were thrilled. A lot of eyes were watching it that day. And, but there was a lot of really, really nice equipment on there, like we're saying. So Sinclair's really definitely stuck their neck out there and, and, you know, took a big gamble and i think it i think it really really paid off for him yeah i love watching these auctions when they end on or when they start on a uh, on a report day right so tuesday was was that <laughs> day i mean you had two you had three major reports come out you had the acreage report you had the quarterly stock report and you had uh crop progress report all come out on the same day and the uh the gods of of used equipment kind of nodded at you a little bit there because they the USDA was only thinking there's going to be 1.8 million less acres of corn planted, and lo and behold, there's five million. Um, forgot to carry yeah. the one, I guess. I don't know how you get how you mess that up that bad, but you uh, then you know couple that on top of the the with the way the market shot up and in, in the last couple of days here, so kind of had a perfect storm come together for you. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different factors, you know. John Deere financing, ag direct financing, buying it from a dealer, and you know that many pieces of late model equipment all in one spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the pieces that sold there, how did, how much did you have a lot of pieces that had like power guard on them, stuff like that, where there was extended warranty still on these machines that were getting sold? Yes, there were several. I, I couldn't tell you the percentage or a number. Um, you know of the later model combines, I'd say about half of the late model combines had it on there. Yeah. And I think that, I think as a buyer, that is a humongous deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's that peace of mind. You know, you get that one less thing to worry about. Doing. Yeah. Do you feel like those machines were, were there more people bidding on those machines with, with those, with that power guard on there than you saw maybe other places where maybe that was the, the kicker to get them over the top a little bit? Yes, for sure. Yeah. I'd say that, um, and, and people, you know, before the auction would call and, and specifically ask that question, you know, mm -hmm. does this machine have extended warranty, a power guard warranty? If not, can I get one? And uh, that that is definitely, definitely something that guys are looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And what were some of your big takeaways from this, man? As you sit back, now you've had two or three days to kind of digest this and look through the numbers. To me, I just... I was shocked at the, I think to me, the biggest shocker of the whole deal was the late model, low hour ones, you know, the, the newer combines that were bringing 350,000 bucks, you know, 325,000 bucks. Those, those big numbers were coming out at me and I'm like, this, man, this is, this is what we're asking for them on the lot. And, and they're, they're selling, they've yeah. got guys clubbing each other to the head to get them. So I guess Aaron, as you take a look at some of the takeaways out there, what was, uh, what was some of your takeaways from that auction? Probably my biggest takeaway, Casey, it was less about those late model low hour, just because I, you know, that that's a type of combine that I work on moving every week. And I think they did real, real well, but they were pretty dang low hour. Yeah. You know, they were, they were most of the ones over 300, grand were sub 357 right you know definitely a line drawn in the sand there but what i was probably most surprised with myself was the middle of the road combines um you know not not the 1712s that brought 90 that's you could edge that in stone anywhere right. but 
the over a thousand set 14, if you will, and how strong, you know, that, that combine was, there was a lot of 14, six eighties that were over a thousand set that were pulling upper one forties, one fifty. Yep. And that, that was a shock too. I saw that. I was like, holy me, crap, man. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was the, that was the biggest holy shit yeah. out of the whole thing. And I really didn't see, I really didn't see anything soft at all. You know, I had a good friend of mine that really wanted that 9870 that was on there. And we were talking, you know, he's like, what you tell me, what should I do? I said, all right, 80 less repairs. It brought 111. Yeah. And what it, what it kind of reminded me of, like you were saying, Casey, the perfect storm thing yeah. is just like that, that South Fork auction a few years yeah. back. You know, yeah. all of this late model, low hour stuff in one day at one spot. How bloody is this going to be? And it was, holy shit. Let's have two of these. Let's yeah. <laughs> grab some more. Keep going. What else you got? Yeah, was, right. I was watching that in Chad's office and I was down there for some for some training down at, the, at HQ for training and, and there was a I was watching those 14 sell across the thing and he said yeah this one brought 140 it's like yeah no it didn't so it, it, could we could mean we're not we don't we can't have a hard time getting guys interested in those machines in any hour range so just to watch those things sell like that was was pretty impressive Kyle if you take a look at what was going on from a, an hour standpoint so one thing I love about Tractor Zoom is the data that I can get out of there and how you can kind of track the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of, of what you see happening there. And there is a line in the sand, and it was pretty evident on this auction. If you take a look at the stuff that had less than 500 hours on it, separator hours on it, the the premium that it got, and then once you got over that 500-hour range, there was a, a drop-off in value. And then when you got past 1,000 hours, there was another drop-off in value, a significant drop-off in value. Um Somewhere in the case is almost like 20%. If you look at some of that stuff, there was just a pretty consistent drop when you got to these certain hour ranges and above. Was that pretty consistent with what you'd seen from the data that you that you guys are collecting over there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it still goes right along. We were even, Casey, you and I were even texting during the auction, recognizing that cliff into uh, the abyss. The abyss is probably the wrong word, but I mean, uh, again, Matt, did you guys recommend to Sinclair to sell low-hired machines and not high-hired machines? No, they they put, they picked every piece that was on the auction without recommendation from us. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, <laughs> they they picked what what had not been on the market, uh, at least from an auction standpoint. But yeah, there's there's still that same clip that you and I have always talked about, Casey, and I know you and Aaron have talked about in other podcasts. Once you hit over a thousand SEP hours, it starts to creep down on the depreciation curve, and then it starts to fall off pretty quickly once you get to 1,100, 1,200 SEP hours. Uh, obviously, you're going to run into some reconditioning costs there. Uh, some, of the, some of the things that were pretty surprising to me were, I think they were either 660s or 670s, same hour range. There's a few that sold for upper 90s. And then there's one that sold for like 149. So there's a couple pieces in here that were like kind of mind blowing compared to the rest of the ones selling. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I was a buyer, I'd have probably been, if I had my mind set on 660 or 670 or 680, whatever it might be, you had plenty of choices. 
uh, they weren't all set up uh, in, entirely that different. I'd have been looking at all the different ones that I could have been bidding on, but there, there were some discrepancies that we saw. Uh, I, maybe a guy knew John down the road had it and he waxed it every night and that's why he's willing to pay for it. But, uh, there, there's a couple of things that were just head scratchers in my opinion. Matt, when you were looking at this cell compared to the cell that they had two years ago, kind of what was your, yeah. what was your takeaway from those two cells? Did you notice any big differences or did you see some similar patterns? I'd say some similar patterns. Um, times were different obviously, but, but still it was, it was in users buying for the, large majority um you know you you get enough equipment and you get a big enough auction and, and it you put a lot of marketing behind it and and if anybody is somewhat in the mood for something you know they kind of they go to an auction thinking they're going to get a deal and, and just keep bidding and keep bidding until they get it and uh you know I, I think you just make it a big enough event it gets everybody interested and everybody's there and they just feel like it's the right thing to do Yep. How many bidders did you all have on that sale? Yeah, so there were real numbers. There were 1,255 registered bidders for the auction from 46 different states and from seven different countries. Wow. Okay. Now, if you take... Did any of them go out of, out of the country? Yeah, not a lot, but there were, definitely, there were definitely pieces sold out of the country, yes. That was my next question. And so what was the mix? How much of it stayed local? How much of it went? you know, five states away. Yeah, so I don't know if I could tell you that number. We should have left Mark on there. He could have told us. Definitely Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, and Indiana were the top see, were the top four states. So it probably yeah. stayed pretty local then. I mean, it wasn't... It didn't, I'd say yeah. it stayed pretty local, right. But, you know, Mexico, Canada, Tennessee, Nebraska, New York, South Dakota, Florida, Colorado... Michigan, Ohio, Kansas, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Yeah, we're, we're the top ones. Florida, there must have been the Navy buying those combines for that self-propelled anchor program. I got them. I got them pitched <laughs> on. So, getting closer. It's getting closer. That's right. <laughs> right on. That's funny. Yeah, so there were like, you know, there were about 250 lots. And of those 250 lots, there were 197 different buyers. Oh, okay. Wow. So that just goes to show that, you know, it was you know, 1.3 items or whatever that comes out to, you know, per person. Yeah. All right, Aaron, I'm taking a look at the market now and I'm thinking like, okay, so these big auctions come around, what happens? And sometimes they're just a blip. Like South Fork, a good example of that is a huge day, but big money and the market didn't follow through with any of the, of the uptrends. Um, we were also sliding into the abyss rapidly at that point in time, but it was free fall. Slides is a nice way to say it, but I mean, <laughs> it feels like to me, the reason I was wanting to have this happen, if the used equipment marketplace, auction markets, those kind of things are just like any commodity market, right? You watch the market go and they do other things and there's big days and then there's big sell-offs and then there's, you know, guys are covering their short positions and everything else and all the stuff's going crazy and and you get these big, you know, ups and downs. And the auction market, music equipment marketplace pretty much the same way. The reason I was hoping that everything just stayed the same, didn't go up, didn't go down, just stayed the same, was to solidify where we're at in the marketplace and that we've we've, we've hit that, that solid part at the bottom and we can start working our way out um 
feels like to me that we're going to start seeing some upward momentum in not only demand, but I think maybe some pricing, um, especially with the reports that have come out and the way things look and, and all the stuff that's going on in, in the commodity marketplace. What's your, what's your opinion of that? Do you feel like there's maybe some, some light here towards the end of the tunnel that we're going to start seeing a little more demand? Obviously, 12s and 14s are going to be a, an arbitrage around our neck forever, but I guess as you take a look at that, what's your, what's your thought there? Well, I would say that as far as any kind of uptrend, it's just completely and totally fingers crossed crossed hope on hope right. <laughs> as far as that goes right. we've been we've been moving pretty darn good amount of equipment last year and so far this year in fact a surprisingly good amount now we do a lot with getting pretty creative with programs and all this kind of stuff and that's that's what it takes you can't just sit there and wish but even though we've moved that much equipment in the last 18 months it's still incredibly bleak out there and it's going to take more than just this to pull us out of the muck um it's what i what i like about it is it's so publicized and so such an event to use the word and those guys are so good at creating events but it's such an event that you know 80-year-old guy at the coffee shop who's been retired for 20 years knows about the auction and wonders what stuff did. Right. You know, it, it's it's that kind of thing. So that being the case, I think that is going to that should give us as much momentum as we can get for climbing at least, you know, stand up in the pit and see if there's any daylight yet. Right. And a day, a day like that is never going to hurt. You know, as far as that goes, it, it did nothing to hurt pricing or demand. But what I would, typically when we see a day like that, the next couple days after are pretty busy in my world with guys reaching out. Um, hey, I missed out on this. Do you have anything, you know, remotely close? And there hasn't been any of that. Yeah. So I kind of feel like the guys who have the cash, who are going to write the check, that that's probably my biggest fear, Casey. The guys who have the cash, the guys who are not, nobody's got the cash right now. The guys who are willing to buy bought that day. And now it's just going to get quiet again for a while. That's my biggest fear. But we won't know that for another month to month and a half, yeah. you know, realistically. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see guys make, make we're moves. Getting, within our territory, we're getting into a very hot combine time for us. Yeah. We do as many combines pre-wheat as we do pre-fall, yeah. and that's been quiet. Yeah. That's been pretty damn quiet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what takes place here. You know, I usually start selling a hell of a lot of combines in May. You know, starting in San Antonio and going north, and it's been a very quiet combine year thus far. So yeah, but you have, you we'll got to take in consideration of the things that are going on around us, right? I mean, you, well, I realize that we got the Rona, <laughs> got the Rona, and you got you know, buy one get one free corn. Well, I mean, you don't you don't get that. That doesn't help anything. Right. You know what I mean? So right, grains, grains. You have to pay the elevator right. to take your grain. Yeah. That's 
That's a detractor. Good thing about this, though, a lot of farmers, when when price of oil was negative thirty eight bucks, they went ahead and topped everything off and got everything full. So they're they're. Yeah. I tried to corner the market on that. I was like, I'll take everything. I'll take the world supply, but nobody nobody wanted to sell it to me. So. But no one uses a Well, yeah. <laughs> along with along with that, you know, at uh, at Iron Comps, we can look at data all day. And uh, the the thing that we can't get question for you, Matt, I have is you guys had a big consignment sale three days prior to the Sinclair sale. What were what were the conversations that you're uh, hearing from guys at that consignment sale? Were they trying to buy before or trying to wait because they thought they might get a deal at the Sinclair sale. What was what were buyers doing uh, prior, you guys had a big sale prior to the Sinclair sale and, and you, how, do, how do you think that affected either one of those sales? Yeah, that's a good question, Kyle. So I think that, so our June sale is always our smallest. We have four consignment sales a year and our June sale is usually the smallest one. So it was a it was still a good size sale. It's probably the biggest June sale we've ever had. But it was nothing it wasn't a crazy big sale. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of competition with Sinclair's. I'd say that people were probably did a little bit of both. I'd say there was definitely some that held off to see what was going to happen. Uh, you know, I'd say our combines on the consignment auction brought a little bit less comparatively than on the Sinclair auction. Uh, but, but with that being said, I thought we had a, you know, some eight R's that sold just as good or a little better. Um, so I, I think that probably on the combine side, maybe they held off a little bit. Tractors and the other equipment, I don't think it made any difference on. Yeah. Okay, so the other part of this that makes this the equipment side of the business uh, very important and, and makes it uh, move one way or the other is the overall inventories that are out there. There's still quite a bit of inventory out there floating around. Kyle, you know, I... And the podcasts that you and I have done have been more than uh, evident when you start looking at what's what's out there. So, Matt, as you take a look at your docket coming up, I mean, how full are, are your is your schedule, and how many machines are there out there that you guys are looking at selling? Do you feel like you have quite a? Do you feel like there's quite a bit of machines out there yet that guys are wanting to get rid of? Yeah, so I was just trying to look at our August schedule. I mean, it there's one to two auctions every day in August. Yeah. Farm auctions. And, you know, they all have about the same line of equipment in some form or fashion. Uh, and they're all going to move and all going to sell before harvest. Yeah. Yeah. And same way, Kyle, when you look out there, when you see all the stuff happening, what's, what are your, what are your trend lines showing you as far as inventory goes? Yeah. I, I mean, it, just the conversations we're having, we don't have all that inventory advertised yet. We still have, probably two, three weeks before a lot of that will get online to be advertised for August. But we're, there were, we, we tracked 55 auctions that were delayed from coronavirus. Some of those auctions are coming back online, but it, it sounds like a lot of the sellers of that have pegged that August time period to try to let a lot of it go. A lot of those that were, that were delayed were the estates and retirements, yeah. not consignments, because that, that was all booked and ready to sell. So I, 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 we're seeing a lot of inventory coming back online. Our auction success team is, in historical years, they've been a little bit slow being able to take some time off. They're working six days, sometimes seven days a week right now, working on inventory that's coming up. 
So we're seeing a lot of equipment across the entire country come up for auction. But the thing that we haven't seen, and this Sinclair sale kind of proved it, is a big drop off in values yet. But as you and I, as you and I were looking at depreciation curves and when's kind of the best time to sell, historically, it's always been before a peak machinery sale because people are trying to sink their teeth in and buy the, buy the piece that they see maybe before others have come up for auction and prices are usually a little bit elevated on the front, uh, front half of a big auction month. So and time will have to tell what happens, but yeah. uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of inventory come online. Yeah. Well, Matt, let's, uh, let's talk about what Sullivan has going on here for a while. When you guys, uh, I'm pretty sure your July is packed and it sounds like your August is getting more and more packed and, and through the end of the year. Talk about some of the some of the bigger sales you see coming up in July and August. Yeah, so <clears throat> once again, just a lot of farmer retirement sales in the state, farm auctions. The, we'll have another consignment auction there at Hamilton on our lot, August 27th and 28th. And uh, it looks to be like it's going to be a humongous sale. Um, we also have our our big uh, collector car auction coming up the first of the week, July the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. That draws a lot of attention. Kind of fun to switch it up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I think, Aaron, did you ever do you ever get that catalog and look through it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a custom harvester auction in southern Illinois on July 14th. Some really nice equipment. Um you know, and then once again, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, Colorado, Kansas. We have them coming up over a large area in a really, really nice line of equipment, you know, lines of equipment. When are you going to be able to open back up live, the live auction thing? Have you got any word from that yet? Are they still kind of up in the air on that? I'd say up in the air on it. Um, I'd say we're going to probably, at least through August, um, be online only. and. You know, started in March, like everybody, and Kyle was talking about postponing sales, and, and basically we didn't postpone a single one, and and they've all been better than expected. Um, you know, we were lucky to be in the situation that we were prepared to do it and, and comfortable with it and hit the ground running, and man, has it been unreal. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go back someday, there's no doubt about it, but there's also going to be sales that are online only that, you know, I don't know what the percentages are going to be when it opens back up, but it's going to have lasting impact on everything we do for sure. The one thing I like about Sullivan is uh, it's always been the fact that you have the live and the internet bidding kind of smashed together and you kind of get the absolute best of both worlds there through all of this kind of stuff that we saw happen here with the coronavirus. Now, how how's that changed your, your mindset and platform at all? Have you have you stepped back from that and said, you know, hey, we're going to maybe this online thing only kind of have that fast? I know you have that part of your business that you've been working on. How's that changed your your mentality a little bit about how you guys approach auctions now? It's changed it a lot. I don't think any of us know what to think of it though. Yeah. Um, you know, right? We, my, I mean, my whole life we've been in the auction business, and that's what we've done: live auctions. And in the last 20 years with internet bidding yeah. and it's worked, worked really well. And we're proud of what we've done and the hard work and effort we put into every single sale that we do. And, and right now we're made a humongous change and 
and we're still getting the Sullivan results that we get plus, plus more, um, you know, averaging over 200 more registered bidders per auction than, than we were with on-site and online bidding. Um, I think we're still trying to comprehend it and still trying to figure it out. And I mean, I think we're all as in shock as everybody and don't even know what to think of it, Casey. Um, but, but right. I mean, I think we're, we're not selling our auction trucks. We're not saying we're going online only forever. Um, but, but there are, there'll be instances where it might've been an on-site plus online bidding and, you know, the, the farmers are actually loving it. You don't have to worry about the weather and people tearing up your yards and coming on site. And, you know, it, uh, it, if you can still get the results and, and, uh, go online only, I think people are really starting to like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, one thing about the whole coronavirus thing, it's, it's made people think differently about how they approach their business and what they, what they have going on for sure. So, well, well, guys, I think this has been a great conversation. Um, Aaron, Kyle, Matt, any you guys have any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we close everything down? We don't. If anybody's looking for a combine, I know a guy. We're <laughs> <laughs> right, right. just going to have an auction after this. <laughs> we know an auctioneer here. You know a guy who knows a guy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Well, I had one more stat that I was going to throw out okay. there. I know everybody's probably sick of stats, but. So on the combines on the auction, so each combine, the average bids per combine were 275. Wow. And the, av- and the average number of bidders per combine were 29. So each combine averaged 29 different people bidding on it with the average of 275 bids per combine. Wow. So almost 30 guys per combine, almost 10 bids per guy. Correct. Yeah. Now, how much different is that than uh, what would have been on site and online? I, I can't answer that, Kyle. It's a good question. Yep. Crazy. Need to find that out. Yep. Well, nonetheless, you guys lot. did a great job. And uh, Bob Sinclair and, and uh, the guys at Sinclair should be tickled pink about about the outcome. So congratulations to uh, you guys over there at Solar yeah. for what you got accomplished. Thank you very much. And thanks for having us on this podcast. I really appreciate hey, it. No problem. My pleasure. All right, Aaron people want to reach out to you and, and figure out how to get some of these super sweet deals that, that aren't selling on the Sullivan sale. How do you how do you do that? <laughs> Apples were probably cheaper than that. <laughs> um, I'm fairly active on the Twitterverse at Aaron Fintail or uh, you can call me, text me 308-760-1193. Right on. Kyle, how do they get a hold of you over at TractorZoom? Go look at all the auctions coming up for sale at TractorZoom.com. And if you want all the insights and uh, all the data that we've been talking about, go to IronComps.com and check it out. Right on. And Matt, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you over at Sullivan Auctioneers? Yep, I'd say just call our office at 217-847-2160. Or our website at SullivanAuctioneers.com. Okay, and what's uh, what's your uh, what's your uh, social media handle? Is it Bid at Sullivan, right? Yeah, that's correct. Bid Sullivan. Yeah. All right, so check them out there on all their on the social media pages. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Also check out uh, MovingIronLLC.com for all 
uh, things related to the Moving Iron podcast. Also, the Moving Iron Summit coming up. If you guys make it out to that, September 1 through 3 in Nashville, you get to see Kyle McMahon, and you get to see Matt Sullivan. They'll all be there. Matt's going to give a little presentation about what's going on in the auction marketplace. And uh, there'll be some other good stuff there, too. A lot of good information, a lot of good ways to network with other folks. Um, check out the... Uh, Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there, and also check out Dryland Farmer Podcast. Those guys make me laugh, so make sure you check them out. So I guess with that, I am Casey Seymour with Kyle McMahon, Aaron Fennell, and Matt Sullivan. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard-working people.